Thank you very much, Brian, uh, for reading. Do keep that uh, passage open. We are back uh, in the Psalms again, uh, exploring just a range of emotions that we find uh, in this book of the Bible. But as well as, I think, echoing perhaps our own emotions, uh, I think the Psalms have that ability to, to retune our hearts. Um, in that sense, they are songs that move us, uh, not only because uh, they get us or understand us, but because uh, as we sing them, we find ourselves uh, changed uh, in some way. I love Psalm 62. I'm thankful for a chance to, to spend time this evening exploring it uh, together with you. Uh, there's a sort of strange intensity, I think, uh, to this psalm. Probably that reflects something of the situation David finds himself in, but also um, what he's discovered about God, the God he trusts. And I hope that this becomes a song that we can sing too whatever our situation or circumstances. Before we uh, dive in, let's pray uh, together. Let's pray. Truly, says David, my soul finds rest in God. My salvation comes from him. Truly, he is my rock, my salvation. He is my fortress. I will never be shaken. Father, we thank you so much for the opportunity uh, this evening to explore this psalm. Uh, may this psalm indeed uh, move us as we discover the, the truth of David's words and experience what David experienced. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I wonder where we go to uh, to feel safe. Uh, what do we do when we feel perhaps overwhelmed with anxiety or fear? Perhaps we're just assaulted on every side by different demands that we can barely keep straight in our heads and uh, they assault us at night, perhaps, and give us no rest. I wonder what we do with those things, where we go to have those things dealt with or fixed in some way. Maybe when life feels out of control, uh, what do we cling to or hold on to? As I read this psalm, one of the things that struck me first were the trulies that uh, punctuate uh, a large part of this song. Verse 1, truly my soul finds rest in God. My salvation comes from him. Truly he is my rock and my salvation. Verse 5, yes, or, or truly uh, my soul finds rest in God. Verse 6, truly he is my rock. And in part, what David is doing, I think, is reminding him uh, himself of what is, what is true, what is real. Perhaps clinging on to something that could be lost just in the turbulence that characterizes his own uh, circumstances and, and situation. And then that word rest that opens up the psalm is a, it's quite a slippery word. It's, it's worth digging into just a little bit. Well, one more literal translation puts it like this. Before God, my soul is silent. And that word silent has that idea, I think, of, of stillness, of calm, of quiet. See, I may have many thoughts spinning around my head. I, I may be assaulted on every side by doubts and questions I can't answer. But before God, says the psalmist, my soul is silent. I am still. I can be calm. The circumstances of my life may be far from tranquil. I don't have all the answers. 
I don't know how everything's even going to unfold in my life. But it's okay, God does. And so I put my life in his hands. I trust him. I calm down. I'm still at rest. I remember when Miriam and I uh, lived in Hong Kong for a while, uh, we experienced a particularly severe typhoon. It was the first Category 10 uh, typhoon for, I think, for many years. that hit the territory uh, with wind speeds over 150 miles an hour. That's quite brisk. And public warnings were issued uh, for us to find places of safety and shelter. And for some, that actually meant leaving their homes and uh, homes that perhaps wouldn't withstand those conditions. And for those who were on low-lying areas, they had to move to to higher ground. It's quite a scary experience, actually, uh, uh, feeling that storm approach, uh, witnessing even from our windows, if we dare get close enough to them, the, the devastation that the storm caused as it rolled in. Perhaps one of the strangest moments of that experience was when we were in the very center, the eye of that storm, the strange stillness and quietness. I think that reflects something of what David feels here as he composes this song. The storm rages all around him, but somehow he knows this supernatural stillness in his very core as he makes God his, his rock, his place of, of refuge. And you might have noticed that this psalm uh, does echo, doesn't it, that famous psalm, Psalm 46, uh, that speaks of unimaginable upheaval, uh, ground shaking, uh, earth giving way, mountains falling into the sea. And into that turbulence, God urges us to, to be still to experience that calm that comes uh, from knowing God, from, from trusting him, uh, depending on him as our refuge and strength, that very presence and real help in trouble. Those words, refuge and fortress, they're very evocative words, aren't they? Uh, places of safety that provide protection against attack and assault. And for the psalmist, for David, that is what God is. He is the one who will keep him safe. God is my salvation, sings David. He's the one who who rescues me from peril. Uh, God is that rock, that foundation that is unshakable, even when everything around is shaking, giving way. And as he declares God to be these things, so he feels safe. He's not panicked. Uh, He's calm. He's still even at rest. I guess that security is attractive, isn't it? Um, But maybe you're listening and thinking, well, it's okay for David. I mean, he was was a king. Uh, He had resources to call on, perhaps personal wealth to cushion him, options available perhaps not to us. Uh, Who wouldn't be calm? Or who couldn't be calm in a in such a situation. But actually, David does describe, doesn't he, that he's under real and intense pressure. Look down at verses 3 and 4. Notice the context in which he sings this song. He's under some kind of attack, uh, 
A part of the pain and the anguish of that attack is its persistence. It's been relentless. Verse 3, how long will you assault a man? And it seems that the attack comes not just from one person, maybe, but from many uh, different directions, perhaps. Will all of you uh, throw him down, uh, says David. And as he feels the pressure of the situation, he just acknowledges doesn't he, how weak he feels as he describes himself as a, as a leaning wall, a, a tottering fence. But again, it's a very evocative image, isn't it? So the miracle is, he says, that it hasn't fallen. Indeed, it looks like the next breath of wind will send it crushing to the ground. And maybe sensing David's vulnerability and weakness, his enemies are gathering around, convinced it won't take long uh, to bring him down. Verse 4, they intend to topple him from his lofty place. And if the assaults were, were physical in nature, I guess they were also verbal and very personal. Involves lies being said about him. Involves deceit and hypocrisy. Even those who appear to, to speak for him are actually uh, scheming to bring him down. Maybe some of those things that David describes resonate with our own experience. Perhaps we've experienced some sort of attack at work or lies being said about us by, by colleagues we trusted. People who are uh, polite to our faces, even friendly, but behind our backs are scheming to, to undermine us, uh, to bring us down. Maybe we've experienced that at school, a rumour spread to hurt you, uh, a friend a uh, trusted friend turning on you. Well, if we know anything of what David says and speaks of, we, we probably know just now how scary it is, how uh, intimidating at times, uh, maybe infuriating and exhausting as we were left feeling weak and vulnerable. Well, David is going through that kind of experience on, on a grand scale, and it is a miracle that he's even standing and yet this emotional sort of temperature of this psalm is one of confident calmness. A supernatural peace even as he's assaulted on so many fronts. And I don't think it's because David is a particularly tough cookie or especially resilient. No, as the psalm makes clear, it's because he's found his security in God and in God alone. So as we're saying, isn't it, the Christians, uh, as followers of Jesus, we're not uh, immune, are we, from these kinds of things? Uh, God's security doesn't make us uh, immune from all kinds of assaults and attacks. It doesn't stop painful things uh, happening to us. But God's protection is real, says the psalmist. It does provide real safety and ultimate security. God hasn't promised that we won't lose our jobs or fall ill or die. But he does promise to be with us in those things and to fulfill his, his promises to bring us home. God hasn't promised that other people, even those close to us, that we trust won't hurt us deeply. But he has promised to use everything, even our, our hurt and our pain, to make us more like Jesus. And that is something David knows, isn't it, and believes, I think, even in the moment of assault and attack. So how does David experience this, this calm, this stillness, this rest? How does he come to experience this 
security, um, this fortress like God? How does he fill that firm rock in the turbulence? How does those things he believes to be true, not only to fill his mind, I think, but also shape and define his feelings and his emotions? Well, first, I think, most fundamentally, David insists insists that the sense of security comes from knowing God personally. Perhaps as we read the psalm, or heard the psalm read, we notice just the number of times that David uses that word, my. Okay, let me read from verses 5 to 7. Just count the number of times that word appears in those three verses. Yes, my soul, find rest in God. My hope comes from him. He is my rock, my salvation. He is my fortress. I will not be shaken. My salvation and my honor depend on God. He is my mighty rock and my refuge. Nine times, I think 14 more times, or 14 times in total in the psalm. David is he's revealing a relationship that is, that is deeply personal when it comes to God. He's not just someone that David infers to be real. And that's sort of an idea that has explanatory power. Now, it's clear from David that God is a person with whom he has this real relationship. He's convinced that God is active in his life. Uh, he's sure that God is the one who protects him. And his confidence in the present and hope for the future depends on that experience of God with him. And that is called a feature of many of the Psalms that David writes. Describes a God that he knows personally. Just think of that most famous Psalm, Psalm 23, how it begins. The Lord is my shepherd. He leads me. He restores me. He is with me. And that uh, experience of God leads David before the psalm's over to urge his hearers to experience uh, that same God. Just look down at verse 8. David says, Trust in him at all times, O people. Pour out your hearts to him, for God is our refuge. See, this is not just a relationship for kings like David. It's for all uh, people. And in the next few verses, David, I think, wonderfully shows us how to experience what he's experienced how to move beyond this idea of God as idea to God as a a person who we can enjoy this real uh, relationship with that brings confident, calm, and unshakable security. And David says uh, to experience that calmness, we need, don't we, to to trust God, verse 8, and to keep doing that at all times. So so daily, uh, continually, uh, under pressure when it's backs against the wall. You decide that he's real, that he's in control. He's working for your good, and so you trust him. And notice, according to David, that trust is to find expression as we pour out our hearts uh, to him. In other words, you don't keep your emotional distance from God uh, when it comes to relating with him. God God, God does raw and real if that's where our hearts are at. So he wants us to express our fears and our pain and our confusion, our anger, our longings, our dreams. And opening up our hearts in that way is the way that we learn to to trust God and to deepen that relationship with him. This morning we think a little bit about that, weren't we? Uh, If you were around, as you thought about Hannah, she pours out her heart, her anguish to God. 
And if we're honest, that isn't something that we always naturally find to be easy. Uh, it involves vulnerability and transparency, doesn't it, before God and even with each other. Something that we often spend our lives trying to avoid. Uh, the Hebrew word for pour out describes uh, the pouring out of a liquid so that nothing is left or held back. And David says, in order to experience this uh, secure calm that comes from God, it means opening ourselves up completely to God. No holds barred, acknowledging our fears, our weakness, and our sin. And even if we don't know quite where to begin or we struggle to find words to convey where our hearts are, uh, here in this very book, the Psalms, there are wonderful resources on there that are going to resonate with every, every situation, every emotion that we go through and experience. And then there's a psalmist uh, has done before. We saw that last time, and two weeks ago in Psalm 103. Uh, the psalmist says we need to uh, talk to uh, ourselves or preach to ourselves. Do you notice that after describing the threats he faces, he turns to himself and addresses himself. Find rest, my soul, uh, in God alone. It's not a sign of madness uh, to address yourself, to preach to yourself, to talk to yourself. In fact, it's, um, it's rather the way of wisdom. Someone actually said that every Christian is actually a preacher. And the most important sermon we preach is the sermon we preach to ourselves every day. And that's why it's so important to have our noses in God's words regularly, to hear God addressing us so that we can keep speaking truth to ourselves, keep pointing ourselves to those realities about God that David has been expressing and urging us to, to cling to and to hold on to. And sometimes if there feels as there's a, a sort of disconnect between what we preach to ourselves and what we feel and experience, um, rather than live in denial, that's something we can bring to God. We can pour out our hearts about that to God too, as David so often does in so many of the Psalms. And this is all part of, the, of that real relationship that uh, David knows and experiences that is just as real as any of those tangible dangers and threats he sees surrounding him. But notice too that if enjoying this calm, this stillness in the storm, rests in trusting God and turning to him, it also means, doesn't it, turning away from other things that we might be tempted to trust instead. Uh, other things that perhaps appear to offer security, but ultimately... Uh, will fail to deliver. And so look down at verse 9. David says, don't put your trust in other people uh, for your security and safety, not even those who seem strong and powerful. The truth is that people are just like a breath. They're like vapor. Some of you remember that word from our studies in Ecclesiastes a while back. Um, leaning on someone who's like breath. Um, won't keep us upright. Even the powerful and influential are no help. Indeed, says David, they're a lie. They may promise much, but they flatter to deceive. Or maybe we've experienced some of the reality of David's words, those we've trusted, relied on, uh, uh, failing us, uh, coming up short, perhaps being taken from us. Well, David's life was littered with 
Many of those experiences, those closest to him letting him down, betraying him. So don't rely on other people for your security. Uh, Don't make them your stronghold, uh, says David. But verse 10, neither put your hope in, in money or wealth, whether accumulated by foul means or, or fair. The danger of making material things, particularly money, uh, our security is, is underscored, isn't it, just by how many times the Bible warns us against doing precisely that. I was reading uh, through uh, Proverbs not so long ago. I was struck by the number of warnings about putting our confidence in wealth. Those who trust in their riches will fall, says Proverbs 11.28. But the righteous, those who trust in the Lord, uh, will thrive like a green leaf. And so to, to pursue money and stuff it is madness. Proverbs 23 warns, uh, don't wear yourself out trying to get rich. Don't trust in your own ingenuity. Cast but a glance at riches and they're gone. For they will surely sprout wings and fly off to the sky like an eagle. And even if we do manage to accumulate riches or wealth and hold on to it for a bit, we quickly discover, don't we, that it won't help us in the greatest moments and crises of life and certainly be of no value to us in our death. I always find Jesus' story very sobering about the rich farmer who stores up his wealth in great barns. And for him, they are that tangible guarantee, aren't they, of security. You've got plenty of years of life laid up for you. Be happy, he says. Be at ease. Be at rest. God's verdict is very different. You're a, you're a fool, declares God. And tonight your life will be demanded of you. And who will get all that you stored up for yourself? Well, the answer is not him. Not him. And death is that moment often, isn't it, of truth? And from this famous wealthy farmer, his wealth offers no protection from death. And most tragically, no security in the world to come. Well, banks and businesses, they store up, don't they, money, reserves, so they can pass economic stress tests. But our psalm and Jesus himself reminds us that they're not to be um, used like that. Um, to be unstressed and calm means trusting God, not in our wealth or our money. And we have a heavenly father, says Jesus, after he tells that story of the rich farmer who, who cares for us, who loves us and cares for us more than birds or flowers. A good father who knows what we need and is both willing and able to provide for us. Well, and I think in our clearer moments, we know don't we, that, that money, not even those that we trust uh, as people, uh, can give us ultimate security. And as David uh, draws this song to a close, he takes us to the, the heart of where security comes from, a God who is powerful and a God who is unfailing in his love, verses 11 to 12. One thing God has spoken, two things I've heard, power belongs to you, God. And with you, Lord, is unfailing love. And you reward everyone according to what they've done. Uh, One thing God has spoken, two things I have heard. It's not an expression, isn't it? But it's uh, an expression that simply affirms that the certainty of and truth of what comes next. It's David's way of saying, 
this is a, a sure and certain truth. God is a God of limitless power and a God of limitless, unfailing love. Uh, David knew, didn't he, I guess, times when he felt powerful, but he trusts in a God to whom power itself belongs. And the world that God created with just his word underscores, doesn't that great claim of David's, uh, the world God holds together and sustains by the power of his word is that tangible proof, isn't it, of, of David's words. But do you see, what is truly mind-blowing is that the fact that this God of unlimited power, as he says, is a God and a Lord of unfailing love. God of creation cares for his people uh, deeply. He's not detached. Instead, he's working all things in our lives for his good. He's using his power for the good of his people because he's totally committed uh, to us and to loving us. And says David, that love is dependable, it's consistent, it's unfailing. It, It can be relied on at all times and in all situations. And this, says David, is why God is a fortress for his people, why we can be still, quietly confident, because he's this unique God who combines within himself that unlimitless power and unfailing love. That's why David is urging each of us to to trust him, I think this evening, to, to run to him for shelter and to put these great claims of David to the test. I think David ends uh, with a challenge in verse 12. Surely, truly, says David, this is something we, we can be certain of. Uh, God will reward each person according to what they've done. Because if we know our Bibles, we know that David isn't suggesting that we could be saved by the good things that we do. Uh, David, of all people, knew that God's mercy, his, give, his goodness, his forgiveness was never something earned or deserved. But what I think he is saying is how we respond to this God, who is that fortress, uh, that rock, is is crucial. If we keep it at arm's length, if we uh, trust anything anything else but him, uh, the result won't be salvation and security, it will be destruction. On the other hand, if we acknowledge uh, this God as our fortress, our rock, uh, if we take refuge in him, the result will be security, spiritual and eternal security. Well, I wonder what you make of uh, the song. Perhaps it helps us retune our hearts even this evening as we remember those times when God has indeed been that a rock and that refuge for us. Well, like the psalmist, let's testify to that God uh, even this week. Just as David encourages others to trust him, to trust God, so we this week want to declare from our experience that God is that refuge, that rock, that fortress, so that others might trust him too. But maybe, just to finish, uh, this psalm, well, these lovely words somehow just seem very, just very unreal. Um, Perhaps they seem just like words. Uh, The God that David describes seems almost too good to be true, Uh, too unreal to be that refuge when life is full of very real threats and fears. But I wonder if you see uh, the God that David describes here 
in this psalm. Of course, in a real moment in history, uh, stepped into our world in Jesus and displayed, didn't he, that same unlimited power and unfailing love. Think about it, the word, in a word, with a word, he gave sight, didn't he, to the blind. Uh, he calmed a storm uh, by telling it off. He brought a man back from the dead just by calling out his name. But he also combined that unlimited power, didn't he, with a steadfast love. Uh, a love that took him to the cross. A love that is unfathomable, is, is unfailing. Uh, that led him to give up his life for us, uh, for our sin and self-reliance. And here, I think, in Jesus, is that unavoidable and unmistakable evidence that God is that God of unlimited power and steadfast love. But just as, a, uh, as an edge uh, to the end of this psalm, there's an edge, isn't it, to Jesus' own words. David says that rest is found in God alone. And yet, as Jesus speaks, he declares that he is the one who gives rest. Come to me, he says, uh, for that soul rest. Trust me, learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. So where will we go this week, or even tonight, for security, for rest? Will we look for that calm, that uh, quiet confidence, that stillness in the storm, even in this God of unlimited power and unfailing love? David says, come to God, doesn't he? And come to Jesus and find that security. Keep pouring your heart out to him. Uh, discover that unlimited power and unfailing love as we look to him. Don't look anywhere else. Let me pray as you finish. My soul finds rest in God alone. Truly, he is my hope, my salvation. Father, we want to not only sing those words with our lips, but to know those truths being echoed in our hearts this week. Father, if we're going through times of great turbulence, if we are assaulted by fears and doubts, Lord, please may that truth that you are a God of unlimited power and yet unfailing love be that rock on which we live our lives this week. And Father, help us too to point others, our brothers and sisters, uh, to that place of refuge, that fortress. And Lord, as we look around at a world that is, that is lost and unprotected without shelter, Lord, too, may we have that uh, ability to perhaps to, to share something of our experience like David does, of you being that rock and that fortress for us. And we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.